This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? There it is! The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. That was 30 feet Okay, that was from the logo on the court. Caitlin Clark, she is right now, and we talked about this, Denton, like a month ago. She's among the best, I don't know, four or five watches in sports right now. Uh, More on her coming up here in a moment. Good morning. Dan Quinn will be on the show in 20 minutes. Stay tuned for that. Uh, responding to uh, several of you who, um, when I mentioned that he was going to be on the show yesterday and even this morning, Devin, Joe, Len, Witt, uh, Chuck, several others, yeah, I might ask him about the name. I might. I also may not ask him about the name. I mean, why put Dan Quinn, someone who hasn't, had a vested interest in this conversation on the spot like that. I probably won't ask him about the name. God, I can't believe how many of you want me to ask and get his opinion on the name. Um, You know, here's the thing about that conversation. We've talked about it before. Um, It's not a conversation, all due respect intended, for people who haven't felt it emotionally. I don't really care or have much time for the people who haven't been longtime fans of the team who think they know how we feel about the name issue. They can't possibly relate. Uh, we did this event a couple of weeks ago in Bethesda, downtown Bethesda. Actually, it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, right? In Bethesda, uh, two weeks ago to, to the day. Many of you were there. Um, the loudest and most genuine response all night long was when John Allen said, it'll always be the Redskins to him. Um, Yeah, you know, for people who believe that the name issue isn't an issue or is ridiculous or insignificant or, you know, try to create this narrative that those of us that care about it, it's the only thing we care about. You know, like winning isn't a big deal. Of course it is. Um, But those people are, for the most part, people who have never felt emotionally about this team like many of us have. So I know I've said this a bunch in the past, but their view just can't be taken seriously. You know, they've got a right to the opinion, but they're coming from a place that can't identify with the emotional attachment that many of us have lived. They haven't lived 
our experience. So, you know, when they go on and on and on, just give them a, you know, a nod, appease them, move on to people who have much more of a vested stake, much more of kind of an earned opinion on this matter because of personal or direct experience, not theoretical. Um, Anyway, I didn't mean to get sidetracked on that. I doubt I will ask Dan Quinn about the name. I don't think I will, actually. Thinking about it now, I'm not going to ask Dan Quinn about the name. Dan Quinn at 1025, 20 minutes from now. Uh, So I was front and center last night for the Caitlin Clark game uh, on Peacock against Michigan uh, to watch her break the all-time women's scoring career scoring mark. I've now seen three games of Caitlin Clark's. Actually, did watch last year, too, in the tournament when they, when they played LSU. I watched that final, her and Angel Reese going back and forth. <clears throat> but this year I've watched three actual, you know, almost the entirety of games uh, the Maryland game from a couple of weeks ago, the Nebraska game, which was on uh, Super Bowl Sunday, this past Sunday, and then last night. First of all, did you guys know that in addition to leading the country in scoring at 32.8 points per game, she also leads the country in assists? I bet a lot of you didn't know that. She is a great passer, great passer. I mean, her vision, her feel, her anticipation as a passer is elite from a basketball standpoint. She's got such high, offensive anyway, basketball IQ. It's off the charts. I had no idea until I started watching closely how good of an overall offensive player she is. She makes, she is the definition of the player that makes everybody else on the court so much better than they would be without her on the court. Uh, Great passer. Uh, Incredible anticipation. Just sees the court, sees everything, two steps ahead of everything. And But, you know, when she's not passing, she can really shoot it, man. God, she can really shoot it. She's a really good overall scorer, you know, in terms of being able to create shots and drive it and touch around the rim, etc., but... Really, she shoots it as well as anybody that, that you watch play basketball. It's it's a quick release. It's good form. The arc's perfect. You know, she has a great ability with legs and shoulders. Her setup, her squaring up is perfect. And her range, her range is just crazy. She's got the green light literally when she crosses half court. And I guess she has earned that over the years of playing for her coach at Iowa. I'm not a, a women's college basketball historian by any stretch, and I and I do know, but I do know that there have been some really good shooters in the history of the women's game. I think it's one of the things that women excel at uh, in their game. Um, but I can't imagine that anybody has ever had her range. It's Steph Curry range. <clears throat> She's got the ability. Also, without exceptional athleticism, it's not that she's not athletic, but it's not like she's got blinding speed or blinding quickness or blinding, you know, physical, you know, overwhelming features or, you know, leaping ability. She's she's got solid athleticism, just I wouldn't call it spectacular athleticism, but man, her feel for creating space in traffic, out on the perimeter, 
with just short, quick moves is spectacular to watch. I mean, that's where you see, like, the Steph Curry thing. Curry's quick release and his ability to to create space, just enough space with his quick release to get off shots at his height um, is it has always been fun to watch. He's got the exact same thing. I mean, we talked about this, Denton, I don't know, went right after the Maryland game, right, about where – you know, she is, we were talking about Mahomes and Lamar at the time. You know, I forget who else was in the conversation, but she was right there in terms of the most compelling watches in sports right now. It's in, it's enjoyable to watch her. And I, I'm, I'm not letting the quality of the women's game versus the men's game get in the way of enjoying Caitlin Clark. I understand, and most of you understand, it's a completely different game. But it's a fun game to watch when Caitlin Clark's involved in it. Um, I was thinking also just about where she is right now in terms of her popularity. If you watched the game last night, first of all, the scene during the game. I mean, I know that she is she's literally packed every arena she has gone to this year. Every arena has sold out. In some cases, the first sellout in the history of the program for a women's game. I mean, she is a massive draw right now, television-wise and live. I mean, it's it's the Maryland game, it was harder to get a ticket to that game than it's been to any Maryland men's game in a few years. You'd probably have to go back to that Michigan State game in 2020. Maybe the Illinois game last year, the first uh, Big Ten game for Kevin Willard. That was a tough ticket to get. But it was impossible. Last night, my son, who follows these things, told me that the aftermarket, the minimum to get into the arena last night was 1000 bucks at, at Hawkeye, Carver-Hawkeye Arena in Iowa City. 1000 would just get you a seat somewhere to see this. And then to watch her after the game, I mean, superstar, the, the, uh, the, the number, of, and it's not just young girls, it's everybody just lined up to take pictures, to sign, you know, autographs. It's, I mean, there have been big, you know, I grew up at a time where women's sports just was not existent. I mean, it was, you know. Let's face it, there, you know, if, if you grew up as a child in the 70s, as a teen in the 80s, women's sports were an afterthought completely. You know, um, of course, there was a lot of sexists uh, in, 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 the, in the opinions on women's sports at that time. And still today, it pales in comparison, obviously, to the major, the major draws, which are men's sports. But there have been along the way, major superstar female athletes. You know, most of them have resided, however, in individual sports, not team sports. You know, I guess the women's national soccer team, the Mia Hams of the world, et cetera, have become big stars. I get that. But they've never become the star, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong about this, that Serena's been, you know, that Martina or Chrissy or Steffi, you know, have been, or some of the Olympic athletes uh, like Simone Biles or Katie Ledecky in individual sports, you know, recently I'm thinking about. You want to go way back, like Nadia Komenich was a, a major international superstar as a gymnast. You know, Mary Lou Retton. 
you know, th- th- there have been major female sports stars and big time, you know, audience grabbers, but usually they've come from those individual sports. I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this. Now, she's got a chance. Um, well, she's not got a chance, you know, barring injury. She's going to break Pete Maravich's all time mark. Um, of uh, uh, Pete Maravich's mark at LSU. For, you know, by the way, Maravich did it. Just to be clear, I'm pretty sure this is true. In three seasons, because there was no freshman eligibility when he was at LSU in the late '60s. Look that up, Denton. No, Look yeah, up Maravich's points. Um, in, in, we've yeah, I done think it's this. Three, it's years. three seasons with no three-point line. So a little three, different, but she's going to yeah. break it. Right, but we're going to have another one of these nights, right? Because when she breaks Maravich's all-time D1 mark, which she's at, – at her current average, I think she's three games away from breaking. So there will be another big watch on that night. And then the the women's NCAA tournament is going to be must-watch for, for Iowa games. But by, by the way, I say that I have no idea how Angel Reese is doing this year. LSU's doing. I know South Carolina's really good. I know Ohio State's good. I know Maryland is having a big-time off year for Brenda's teams uh, over the years. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the tournament. I think I don't know when the last time Maryland's women's team didn't make the tournament was. It's been a long time, I would guess. Um, but w- these tournament games involving Caitlin Clark are going to be big draws. And they play those games, remember, not opposite of the men game, men's games, right? Don't they typically play the women's games like early in the draw on Monday on weeknights? Yeah, yeah. So they they stagger in a in a sense to where they're not competing with like the men's final four, correct? I think that's. I'm not even talking about the final four. I'm talking about early in the but, tournament. Yeah, so early early in the tournament as well. Sorry, final four was just the the one that I picked. But yeah, so they do like Mondays and Tuesdays, and the men will do like Thursdays and Fridays. Yeah. By the way, I saw this, too, because all the stories kind of got wrapped up into it. Last night in women's college basketball at the D2 level, a woman who plays for, um, I'm sorry, uh, I don't know the team now. I just lost the team that she plays for. It's in Kentucky somewhere. Her name's Lauren Taylor. Francis Marion is the name of the D2 school. I think it's in Kentucky. She broke the co- women's college overall record with 44 rebounds in a game. <laughs> I mean, that's a wilt number. 44 rebounds in a game last night for a D2 women's college basketball player. Caitlin Clark is phenomenal to watch. She really is. It's fun to watch her. Um... I really the biggest thing for me in in watching her I, the the range we knew about we knew that she was a great three point shooter we knew that she could pull up from distance I had no idea until I started watching this year what a phenomenal passer she is um, they they started chanting one more year because she could come back for one more season a COVID season we're still in the era here of these seemingly, you know, college careers that are going on forever. She's completing her fourth season at Iowa, but she'll have a chance to play a COVID year. Um, 
and I'm wondering if she'll take advantage of it. I we asked John Orand about this the other day, and he felt that her her income potential was greater in the WNBA than it would be staying and doing commercials, NIL money, et cetera, at Iowa. I actually thought intuitively before I asked John about that the opposite. I would have thought that staying at Iowa could be just as, if not more, lucrative for her. But we'll see. She can come back, and they were chanting one more year in Iowa City. Um, Anyway, really fun to watch last night. She had 49. I forgot to mention. Oh, yeah, uh, the night that she broke the record, she also scored 49 points in the game and sat the last several minutes of the game. Uh, because, and that was the all-time Iowa scoring mark. She didn't have it before last night. Somebody else had 48, and that was the record for an Iowa woman. Um, But she set that record last night as well with 49. She had 23 at the end of the first quarter. They have quarters in women's college basketball, for those of you who don't know. She had 23 in the first quarter. She was just letting it fly. She also, at the end of the first quarter, she had 23 points and six assists. I mean, that's a high-scoring quarter. I think it was six assists. It was something like that in the four, first four quarter. Four assists. Four assists. What'd you say? She had 23 and four at the four end of the first Four assists at the end of the first quarter? Yeah. God. Uh, Michigan, as a team, had 22 and three. Yeah. Yeah, and she shot over 50% last night. She was 16 of 31 from the floor, 9 of 18 from behind the arc, didn't miss from the free throw line, 8 for 8, 13 assists, 5 rebounds. Now, one of the things I did notice is she will take some risk on passes, especially in the open floor, Um, and because of that, there were a couple that just barely missed and ended up being turnovers. But when you handle the ball as much as she does, you're going to end up with some turnovers in the game. Um, I really have enjoyed watching her play. When's the next game? I don't know. Uh, it's coming up in a, in a couple of uh, in a couple of days. I just X'd out of their schedule. Do they play? Because I was uh, I didn't realize where they were in the standings until last night. Ohio State is the best team record wise in the Big Ten. I'm looking at it right now. They finish the regular season on March 3rd at home against Ohio State. So that could, A, be the game in which she breaks Maravich's all-time record, and, B, that could be for the Big Ten title and a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And typically, correct me if I'm wrong, but the number one seeds, maybe it's the top four seeds that end up having this benefit in each region, they typically play the first two games on their home floor because I know Maryland many times has played their first two games in College Park. Yes, that is correct. It's like their pod ends up at the at it's it's got to be the top four seeds, right? In each region, you end up playing on their home floor. Yes, right. So if you're a four seed, and let's just say you're I don't know Nebraska, and you're a four seed, you'll you'll face the 13 seed in Lincoln, and then the other you know the five seed who's playing the 12 is also going to play in Lincoln, and then you'll play the next game you know, the four or five matchup, the second round matchup um, in uh, in Lincoln as well. I'm pretty sure that's the way it works in women's sports, in women's college basketball. I'll tell you what, this tournament, this women's tournament, especially given what the ratings were for the final last year, 
between Iowa and uh, and LSU. They're going to be way up there. And I'll tell you, and the other part of this is that the men's tournament right now, what are the compelling storylines a month away from Selection Sunday? Seriously. UConn repeating? It's a possibility. They're the number one team in the country. Will um, Purdue lose right. to a 16 seed again? I mean, that's pretty much all you got. Yeah. I mean, look, when we get there and we get our brackets, we'll be excited about the tournament. Don't get me wrong. But it, there's, it's not like the upcoming men's NCAA tournament that there's a ton of anticipation because there are so many storylines. Let's get to a what do you got. All right, all right, all right. What do you got? Stick with basketball. Last night, uh, Clay Thompson, for the first time since his rookie season, came off the bench, did not start for Golden State in their game against Utah last night, the last game, uh, last night of games before uh, All-Star weekend. If you're not following Thompson's season this year, look, he's 34 years old. Um, he has had a rough season shooting the basketball. Uh it's one of the lowest uh, three-point shooting percentage seasons he's had. It is the lowest field goal percentage shooting season he's had as a professional. Um, and Steve Kerr decided to bench him last night and see what it looked like coming off the bench. Well, it looked pretty good. <laughs> he had 35 off the bench in 28 minutes. He was 7 of 13 from behind the arc, 13 of 22 overall. Didn't have a turnover, had six rebounds and two assists. They had a massive lead. They almost blew it against Utah, and they won the game 140 to 137. I've always loved Clay Thompson. And man, I don't know. I mean, there are a few, obviously, Steph, his teammates, his teammates, one of them. But in terms of guys that can heat up quickly and stay heated up on a given night, man, over the years, when he gets it going, unstoppable at times. And he's had such a rough year. They put him on the bench. He comes off the bench. He's got the best night of the year for him, 35 points in 28 minutes. Was happy for that. Golden State has played much better. Um, you know, the NBA would will be better off if Golden State's in the postseason. That's for sure. Um, but anyway, just wanted to mention that as our what do you got. All right, Dan Quinn, the head coach, next. You're listening to the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980, theteam980.com. We're also free and live on the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's nice to welcome, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, the new head coach in town, Dan Quinn. Coach, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome to town. Are you settled in yet? Kevin, well, one first, thanks for having me on the show. And, uh, yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm getting settled in, um, you know, kind of the first order of business is, uh, you know, connecting and staff and, you know, finding the right spots for the right people. And so that process uh, went really strongly. And so um, now, you know, you kind of switch gears into, you know, personnel and the evaluation of the team and, you know, getting into some of the things you need to, you know, put into the right spots. But, yeah, man, it's been a blast to get, you know, connected with new coaches and uh, the energy that goes along with, with building something together. What about the personal part? I was looking at your resume the other day. If my math is right, this is the 12th move, either the 11th or 12th move since you left the Great Eastern Shore and Salisbury University. Um, does the life of a coach where you're always picking up and moving ever get old, or are you one of those that loves the adventure? Uh, good question, Kevin. I would say a little bit of both. Um, the hard part of uh, a moving is obviously like there's connections and people that you, you know, really enjoy, you know, spending the time with. And generally you always keep up with them. But the other part and the exciting part that goes with it is, you know, you, as a coach, you, you move around the country some. Um, there's really cool spots and, uh, you know, different areas and different things that you like. So um, it's, it's cool to, to move around. I'm certainly not likely to do that again for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, let's hope <laughs> but not. It, it ain't the, yeah, but the uh, it is fun. And uh, there's, there's some energy that goes with that too. And you get to meet new people and new experiences. And so um, it's one of the fun parts about the coaching profession. Like as the learning never stops, um, all these different people and relationships that you have through the years, um, you just build them stronger, you know, as you go. And so um, yeah, a little bit of both. Did you have a favorite place that you've lived? No, I think there's favorite spots about a place as opposed to one, you know, different, you know, one specific location, but, uh, you know, early on in my career, I've been, you know, mostly on the East Coast, went out to San Francisco. It was my first NFL job. So being out in the Bay Area and, you know, being a part of that organization. So uh, different spots, man. I'm, you know, living in a college town at Florida or up in the Pacific Northwest of Seattle. So there's not one specific spot, Kev, that, uh, that nailed it over another. Just I think you get come to appreciate um, different experiences at different places. And, uh, and that's what we do. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like you had Gator Nation that you were involved in, the 12th man in Seattle, you know, Cowboy Nation, which unfortunately for, you know, teams in the NFC East like ours feels like the entire nation uh, at times. Um, hopefully you can get this place back to a point in which it's as oh, important as it used right. to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's what, like, uh, why this opportunity 
is what it is here. Like this great fan base um, to make sure like that, you know, coming here, it's going to be really hard to compete against and uh, create a nightmare for teams uh, to come here and play. So yeah, I agree with you. When you were putting together your pitch for the search committee for Josh, Adam, et cetera, for your interview, what was the most important thing for you to get across to them? I think number one, I wanted to make sure they, you know, knew that over the you know, time I left Atlanta and went to Dallas and uh, had a chance to really dig in um, to my space to say I recognized the things that went good and had success, but also wanted to make sure I learned from the adversity too. And uh, knowing that as I was going into this, you know, next opportunity as a head coach, uh, I was much stronger uh, for that opportunity. And so that's why I, uh, I think, you know, the ability to connect and do those things that probably stood out, but I wanted to make sure they knew um, – not only was uh, the lessons learned, they're ready to be applied and uh, make sure when we're going through it, we don't miss one step as we're going through this. Why does everybody like you so much? People that played for you, coached for you, they just gush over Dan Quinn. You're incredibly well-respected, well-liked. Why is that? Well, I appreciate you saying that one. I don't know if that's all the way true, but I would say I there's a lot of things I love about coaching and uh, the relationships um, with the players and the coaches and front office and personnel, those are the things, um, you know, that you do. And so I just love being part of a team, man. So you get those experiences and you max it out together. That's what it's all about. And so you have these really competitive moments that bring you together and you just get closer and tighter, Kev, because it's, it's not just a job. You know, when you're competing, you know, at the highest level, like there's a loyalty, there's a, you know, a difference that's not that goes way past job and that could be a brotherhood um, that will connect you forever so I love that part of the game and uh, those relationships that come out of it but at the end of it I think uh, pushing one another to get better that's probably one of the reasons um, you know that that I've got a good connection because you know as a ball player that's one of the things you know this this guy can help get me better and if you can do that um, you know then you can you know change some things around but uh more than anything, man, I, I just love those connections and relationships to do do it together. You know, I heard the passion in your voice during your press conference when you talked about these lifelong connections that you make in sports. And I was thinking, you know, people make these lifelong connections in normal office environments as well. But it's different, I think, in highly competitive environments, maybe even more so in highly competitive environments that are as physical as the one uh, that you uh, coaching and live in. Do you think that's right? That's the difference. And uh, you can think of a, a player, you know, hey, I played with this guy back in this team and we covered kicks and we played defense together. And this connection that you have with them going through it together, you know, a guy who's there playing hurt, battling for it, like those are really cool moments that you see what somebody's made of. Like they get pushed to the absolute limit. You know, we all do it. You know, coaches and players and personnel, everybody say, can you put it all out there? Uh, and, you know, be willing to, to step all the way out to the edge. And that's not easy. And so for people outside the locker room, you know, watching it, it's one thing. But when you're in that environment, um, you do get closer and connected because it's all out there right on the edge together. And if you really stay, you know, tight, those that, that bond isn't changing. Not in three months, three years, or 30 years. Like you can slip back into that conversation with that person knowing that, hey, man, we did it together. We fought through it together. And there's just a respect that comes from those moments that you never lose. Yeah, and it makes for great conversations and laughs and 
uh, over beers yes. in the future, I'm sure, um, or in the off season. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, every 100%. everybody who has come here as a coach over the years seemingly mentions that they talked to Joe Gibbs about this place. Did you? Uh, I did not going into this job. I actually um, got to visit with Joe um, maybe about you know ten years ago or so before I took the Atlanta job. And the reason I had asked to go meet with him, I thought he had the most uniqueness, unique background of having success with different QBs. And I thought I really wanted to find out why. And so as a defensive coach coming up, uh, knowing I was going to take over the whole thing, I wanted to talk specifically about quarterbacks with him to, you know, it went with, uh, you know, Joe and then into Doug Griffin, like all the way to go through it. How did he do it with different guys? I wanted to find out some of the things that were so important to him at the time. And so that's why I had met with him then. But uh, so I didn't need to meet with him again coming in. I already had a relationship, you know, with him through the years. And uh, but it was certainly nice to get a call from him uh, after, you know, I was already here. All right. Uh, we heard from your two two coordinators yesterday, Kingsbury and, and Joe Witt Jr. Tell me about the roster you're inheriting. I'm assuming at this point you've got a much better feel for what's here than maybe you did the day of your press conference. I want to start on defense. Who or what stands out to you? Well, I'd say as you're going through it, um, the first part was you know going through the, the coaching evaluation to – not only adding groups, but I wanted to meet with every coach that was here too. Um, they had certainly perspective from inside the building. So some that, um, you know, we were able to, to hire a guy like Bobby Ingram, who's got, you know, perspective and unique insight onto things. Uh, so then transitioning into, you know, hiring coaches from other spots, you know, and getting to build that relationship. So that was job number one, Kev, to get to that space first. And that really took up a good bit of the time, honestly, leading in. So, as you're, uh, as we're on this call today, that was what I was just hitting on now and evaluating, you know, the entire roster. And uh, certainly, I've competed against uh, the team, you know, at, at another spot. But most importantly, taking our time to go through that because you want to make sure as you're leading into free agency and the draft, how do you maneuver those two things together to fill, you know, the best, most competitive roster that we can find. So I'm really on the the early parts of that. Um, but getting back to the question, you know, defensively, you know, certainly at defensive tackle, um, you know, that's, that's the strength. And those two are, you know, tough to block in, in a lot of ways. And so this division really has good defensive linemen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Deron John are right there in, in the, you know, if you put them all together, you'd be hard pressed to find uh, better interior players um, than, than groups that live here in our division. So um, they're right at the top of that. And I can't wait to coach them both of them, honestly. And, uh, but after that, I'm going through everything, you know, trying to find from every single player, unique things they have, how would we feature them? What could they do? And that's what the coaches are doing now. We call them profile tapes on every single player, find all the unique things they have. How would we feature them? What could we do? And uh, including into somebody who's a backup to go a special teams player. Um, talk about Revo, what a good competitor he is. And, unique things that players have that's that's the thing that's how you got to do it and put the whole thing together but too early for me to um give you a, a big overview other than uh, i'm still in into that space and, and will be for for the next two weeks yeah i thought one of the themes from your press conference was just the play type or player type that you were looking for highly competitive finisher you know some of the words that you used and 
Um, I was curious as to whether or not, you know, certain players had those traits that just stood out to you. Look, you coached against this offense twice in the last three months on Thanksgiving and then in the season finale. How did you evaluate the team's offense? What were the keys to playing well against it? You know, I think there's explosive players, and that's what can make it challenging as a defense that they, okay, they, they, there are some real weapons here. And how do the matchups, who do you go to find onto those? So those are the things, you know, obviously we talk about, you know, from the receiving side and the running back side of explosive players. So how do you get those guys the ball? And, you know, whether it's catch and run plays or, you know, shots down the field, you know, or a running back that um, if they're going to play a light box, this guy is going to be somebody that can really do some damage. So, I think knowing you have players that are capable of explosive plays of, you know, taking it to the house, you know, on any moment, that's what's dangerous, um, you know, to a defense. If you you make a mistake, you lose the leverage, you know, they can make you pay. And so that's really what you're always looking for. For an identity, you want to have explosiveness and you want to be physical. And uh, there's certainly on both sides of the ball, you know, traits of that um, in a lot of spots. But that's what you keep looking for. Is it demonstrated on tape? And I think for all of us, you know, you go into the combine and okay, a guy may have a good speed on a 40 or what have you. And I always go back to, is it demonstrated? Do you see it on tape? And uh, that's the good part, Kev, but when you go back to it, just put it on. And let's watch the tape, see what the film says, because that's really who you are, you know, as a ball player and as a coach. So you want to make sure, can you get it on and put it on tape and, and show it? And that's, to me, the demonstrated toughness, physicality, explosive playmaking. That's what you're looking for. And, some of those uh, positions that I just spoke about uh, certainly have uh, those capabilities in a very strong way. All right. A big opportunity as we talk to the head coach, Dan Quinn, is, you know, and you said it's not just about one year, but this is unique. They've The team has as much cap space as anybody in the league. It's got lots of draft choices in the first three rounds, including number two overall what does that opportunity here in year one with all of the cap space with all of the draft choices and specifically number two overall mean to this franchise right now i think anytime you're uh you know having some changes along a roster and adding you know to a team and whether that's you know this year or next year there's always you know no roster stays exactly the same and so i think what it provides and why it's so important, Kevin, is like this time of year and why we all get so excited because all of us here, the players, the coaches, the scouts, personnel people, we really have a chance to, you know, to help, you know, shape the history of franchises. And so that's what's fun about the offseason to have those specific players, you know, add to your team. And when you can really nail it, you know, those are the moments that, that change it. And so sometimes it's with the draft pick, sometimes it's with the free agent, but You've seen that to know that, like, that's why there is excitement because, okay, some of these players will help change uh, how we'll get it on. And uh, you can really shape that um, through this part. So that's why it's so damn important over and over to, you know, why you work so hard in the long hours to scout it because you've got to get that right. And uh, when you do, um, there's real benefits and you get to, you know, have the the big postseason moments to go for it. And uh, that's why we do it. not just to compete and play. We're here to we're here to win. Make sure you fight your ass off to do it. Two more because I know you've got to run. Uh, quarterback so important in this league. Uh, you're not going to sit here and tell me uh, you know what your board looks like or what you feel uh, your gut is. But at the very least, have you all identified quarterback as a need? As we're going through it, like it's like there were 
still in the whole part of the roster. We really are to make sure like every single spot. So I think that's the position that you're looking at every year. And quite honestly, you have to because those are also, if they're not on your team, those are, you know, somebody that you're playing against, Kevin. So you're always looking at that position. It just takes more time to evaluate that spot, you know, and uh, it takes longer and it takes more time and it's worth it because they have the biggest impact on the game. But without digging deep into the tape, you've got thoughts on this. You had to have some thoughts on this before taking the gig here. Um, I'm just curious as to whether or not you, you know, believe that there is a need and whether or not it can be addressed in the draft. I certainly have, um, you know, competed against the team and haven't since. But as far as tying it all together, I can't say that without knowing, you know, the rest of the league and the draft and free agency. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself one thing in front of another until I get all the information. When you make big decisions, man, take it all. All right, last one. You didn't use the word rebuild the other day. It was recalibrate. Can you win quickly? Well, I think that's what uh, finding all these small margins is about, right? To find an edge here, an edge there. You know, what little small margin that you can do, and then collectively, Kevin, what happens is you get better over here and here and here. So the, the tighter this team gets, that's when we'll win the fastest. And uh, we'll work hard to do that. The best connected teams who are really ready to compete and sharpen one another, that's when we'll get there. And so the faster we can do that, the better we'll play. Dan, thanks. Really appreciate the time. Wishing you the best. Take care. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good one, man. Dan Quinn, everybody. We will follow up on that conversation when we come back. You're listening to The Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980, theteam980.com. We are also free and live on the Odyssey app. Big day for women's college hoops last night. Caitlin Clark broke the record for all-time points score in the women's game, and she did so in classic Caitlin Clark fashion, a 30-foot bomb to break the record. She finished the night with 49 points, 13 assists, and 5 rebounds for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Wizards off until next Thursday. NBA All-Star Weekend begins tonight. You'll be able to see Bilal Koulibaly in tonight's Rising Star Challenge. He's a member of Pau Gasol's team. That event kicks off at 9 p.m. Caps in action Saturday. They're on the road against the Canadians. Alex Ovechkin looking to extend his six-game goal streak and make it seven. Terps host number 14 Illinois on Saturday. Team Maryland beat earlier this season. Tip off at 5.30. You can hear it right here on the Team 980. Tonight, you'll be able to hear the Georgetown Hoyas. They're in action against Villanova. They tip off at 7. And that's what's trending. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. But without digging deep into the tape, you've got thoughts on this. You had to have some thoughts on this before taking the gig here. Um, I'm just curious as to whether or not you, you know, believe 
that there is a need and whether or not it can be addressed in the draft? I certainly have, um, you know, competed against the team and haven't since. But as far as tying it all together, I can't say that without knowing, you know, the rest of the league and the draft and free agency. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself one thing in front of another until I get all the information. When you make big decisions, man, take it all. That was Dan Quinn who just joined us uh, in the last segment talking about quarterback. Um, look, they're not going to tell us uh, that, you know, they're not going to be on the record as quarterback is a need. Uh, there's no need to be on the record with quarterback is a need. You don't want to create a competitive disadvantage um, about that. So first of all, I just want to say this because I had this same feeling in talking to him that I did in listening to his press conference. You know, from afar, he seems to be what everybody has said about him, like a really great guy, guy's guy, you know, solid communicator, clearly some leadership you know, attributes, you know, you can check those boxes when it comes to him. And, and yeah, I know the same was said about one Ronald Rivera. Uh, but again, the big difference, and this is the big difference for those of you who keep hanging on, same guy, retread, just like hiring Rivera four years ago. There's a massive difference if you've been paying attention. Dan Quinn is coming into a situation that, that A, doesn't include a toxic owner, And B, he's coming here to coach the team, not run the franchise. Something Ron, you know, all due respect intended, was not suited for. I mean, Ron was a good coach in Carolina. I believe that. He wasn't versatile enough, however. Didn't have, you know, the astute talent or skill in evaluating talent to make the decisions that were important as it related to the roster. And look, he didn't have enough space in his life considering that he had gotten sick here in his first year. That was a big deal. But um, Dan Quinn is coming in with, you know, on the surface, a resume that's similar to Ron's, but he's just being asked to do a completely different job in a much more stable organization. There's probably, I think, maybe even more about Quinn that makes him a better candidate to succeed here than Ron, but at a minimum, it's what I said. You know, it's an important minimum. Dan isn't the owner, Quinn, and he's working. He's Dan, Dan isn't working for Dan, the owner, uh, as in Quinn isn't working for Snyder, and he's being asked to coach the team and not do anything else. Big difference. Um, what's really actually encouraging about the last couple of days is that he, like Kingsbury and Joe Witt Jr. yesterday, they're on the same page right now as far as, you know, not disclosing anything they really, you know, think. You know, whether that's about the current roster or what they'll be looking for in free agency or the draft. Now, he did mention John and Duran by name, but, I mean, it's hard to miss those two. You know, when you're looking at the roster, it's kind of hard to miss John, Duran, and Terry. And by the way, if you mention those people, it's not like you're offending anybody or leaving anybody else out by mentioning their names. But for the most part, you know, he's not saying much on the record. They didn't yesterday. Joe Witt Jr. had a rather long press conference and talked a lot. and He was very entertaining, but still didn't disclose a lot necessarily. Kingsbury, nothing. Um, But as far as quarterback, you know, they shouldn't. 
disclose anything. It would be, you know, it's not to their advantage to talk about that at this point. I would be very, very surprised. Actually, I would I would call them liars if, you know, they said, look, off the record, can't say this to anybody else, Of you know, but we're not actually talking about quarterback. We haven't talked about quarterback. That's 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 a lie. Um, of course, they've talked about quarterback. Of course, the first thing you look at when you're considering, you know, a job and you're getting ready to interview for the job is who do they have? What am I walking into? Of course, he's given it great thought, and I do think that the logical answer is that Adam Peters and Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury, and then even the people that are working with Adam Peters that have been in the organization previously, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney, you know, all believe that they are in need of a quarterback. And by the way, have, you know, one of those once in a lifetime, not necessarily a lifetime for a franchise like this one, because we've been at number two before, but it's rare to have this opportunity where syncing up together is a very high draft choice and quarterbacks, three of them, that appear to have very high ceilings. I thought um, the last thing he said uh, about, you know, when when he talked last week about not wanting to talk about rebuild, I I like that. The NFL's not, you know, the the NFL doesn't have patience for people who say, yeah, we're going to come in here and look, I think – you're just going to have to deal with some really bad teams for a couple of years, but we're going to get better and you're going to see the progress. And, you know, I got a five year plan, et cetera. Uh, and he's smart not to talk in those terms. I mean, that is, that's a 1980s, 1990s kind of description um, when you get the job. I know Ron talked about a five year plan. He wasn't go- going to do that, and I was glad he didn't. But he did use the word recalibrate last week. And, I think they are looking at the roster and they're looking at their ability to upgrade the roster right away and potentially produce better results faster than maybe we are thinking about, and I asked him about that. Do you have that, Denton? Ready to go? Yep, hold on. Sorry, I was lagging. All right, last one. You didn't use the word rebuild the other day. It was recalibrate. Can you win quickly? I think that's what uh, finding all these small margins is about, right? To find an edge here. What's a little small margin that you can do? And then collectively, Kevin, what happens is you get better over here and here and here. So the the tighter this team gets, that's when we'll win the fastest. And uh, we'll work hard to do that. The best connected teams who are really ready to compete and sharpen one another, that's when we'll get there. And so the faster we can do that, the better we'll play. Again, it's not like an in-depth answer from Dan Quinn, but I would be surprised if their conversations behind the scenes out there hasn't included, you know, there's some good players on this team. The, the season got away from them. Uh, you know, they they really, really struggled on defense uh, in, a, in a couple of spots. They struggled on offense as the season went along. They got beat badly many times. You know, it was not a team that was super resilient as the season went along. And that could have been the lame duck nature of the coaching staff that was there. Could have had something to do with what was going on offensively uh, with the coach and the player relationship on offense. And it wouldn't surprise me if they've looked at this and they've said, 
Got some decent players here. I mean, it's not a terrible foundation. Remember, it was only a year ago that pretty much the majority of us, I would say, definitely I thought, and I think a lot of you agreed, this is as healthy and as good a roster. Not saying it's a great roster, but it's as good a roster as we've had in a while. The quarterback's the big question mark. I mean, look at the D-line. Look at the defense as a whole. Look at the, you know, it was the O-line. It was quarterback, and, you know, there were some questions about linebacker as well. But there were places on the roster, receiver, D-line, running back. Um, and, by the way, before the season started last year, even the secondary, which there was, some, there was some optimism about. I would bet you that they've looked at the roster and they think that there are more than just a couple of salvageable pieces. And then you look at what you have the ability to do in free agency to fill some of the holes that are out there and then bring in a slew of young players with draft picks, including your young quarterback. I bet you they feel like they're not going to be a 4-13 team next year. That just with better coaching and a better overall you know, picture of the future for everybody in that building and better players that can be added right away. I, I, I bet you they're thinking in this NFC East, after what we watched in the NFC in general, why not us? Uh, any reaction that you have, including that, do you think they can win quicker than we believe they can? 301 230 0980. Our Ace Law listener lines are open. 301 230 0980. We'll we'll take some calls. Ben Standing will join us at 12. We've got all of the best of the two pressers yesterday with Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Witt Jr., and you'll hear some of that as well. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 and the Team980.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.